live. Oh, and by the way, if anybody has the YouTube window open, that video will start playing automatically. So you'll want to want to mute. Okay. Hey, what's up, dudes? Johnny Bean here. Listen to that. We got new batteries for the sound machine. Thank you again to Janice. Janice, the intern. Look at that. You guys know we're live here. We got 43 people watching us already. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for uh, for tuning in tonight. We're going to have a great show for you. Uh, you guys know uh, we talk guitars on this channel. We talk uh, we, we, we talk a lot of Van Halen. So there'll be a lot, a lot of discussions about that. You guys, tonight we're talking. To, we got Headless USA here. We got Babix. We even have, we got special guests. It's, it's amazing. You guys, smash that thumbs up. Smash that subscribe button. Help us get to uh, 10,600 YouTube subscribers. I think we can do it. I think we can do it pretty quick. So, yeah. So, we're going to do this. Uh, let's see. How are we going to? Okay. All right. This is Johnny Bean TV. It is September 15th, 2023. It is 8.08 p.m. Eastern, 5.08 Pacific out here in Santa Cruz, California. And this is uh, Johnny Bean TV. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Hi, this is Andy Summers, and you're watching Johnny Bean TV. Hey. Hey, now. What's up? Thank you, Andy Summers. He was just here a couple weeks ago. It was, it was awesome. He, he's one of my all-time guitar heroes. So to, to be able to have him on the show and, and talk to him. And actually, I'm going to see him again in a, in a couple months. You guys, you guys, look at, look at this. Look at this. We got, we got, I'm going to ask you guys, uh, where are you guys from? Todd, where are you? You know, those clap. that sounds like small Clydesdale going for the <laughs> I've heard that before, actually. Somebody else said that one time. They're running I'm, away. I'm here in San Diego, California, where oh, I that's right. grew up. And then I, of course, moved north, 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 east, further east. But I've always pretty much based out of uh, out of here for my entire career. And, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Right on. So, so you're, you're San Diego. Yep, San Diego. I'm in Santa Cruz. So yeah. as like you said earlier, we're on the on the. What'd you say? Same coast, the left, the, the right coast, the correct the right, coast. The, <laughs> right well, on. I, 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 I used to play in Santa Cruz uh, occasionally when I was living in San Francisco with my oh, dad. Oh no way! Said we come down and play Santa Cruz, and there were a lot of backpacks. But you know, it was a lot of fun. Yes. Right on. And I think another, uh, I think Natalie, I think you were a local at one time. You said you were in Berkeley. Yeah, I lived in Berkeley for a year and I worked in Oakland. Oh, cool. Yeah, Amoeba Records. We were talking about record stores earlier. Huh? You were, Did you work at Amoeba? Nope, but uh, I, it was a, I used to fre frequent it. Yeah. Oh, Telegraph Avenue. Yeah. yeah I was, I was Amoeba, Rasputin's. Telegraph. That's right. Blondie's Pizza. Yep. Wow. Yep. Incredible. So Good Natalie job. is here. Oh wait, that's me. Natalie is here. Headless USA. Great to meet you. Thank you. And Jeff. 
Jeff, Babix Full Contact Hardware. Jeff, where where are you currently? We're in the thriving metropolis of Wappingers Falls, New York. Oh. The Hudson Valley section, about uh, 80 miles north of Manhattan. And that's where I'm in the corporate office. And we have our showroom across the street. And then Jeff's design studio across the river in Newburgh. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And by the way, Natalie, where, where are you now? I know you're, you're so not in I'm Berkeley. I'm pretty close to Jeff. I'm probably 20 minutes north in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, which is we're both about 30 minutes from Newburgh. Yep. Right on. Right on. So you guys, we're going to have a great time. We're going to talk uh, headless guitars. But first, let's say hello to the top tier of channel members here on Johnny Bean TV here on YouTube. Channel membership, if you'd like to help support the channel and support these shows, you can do so uh, as a channel member. The executive producers are currently CC, Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, Music Therapy Laz, Sherman Callahan, 40 Grit, John Moronic, Majestic PB and J Cat, Guitarman 45, Janice Lala, the intern, R Habs, Warlag, Patty Dill, and Fairfield Guitar Co. That's the top tier of channel members. If you'd like to help support this channel, support these shows. We bring you guys new shows uh, almost every day. I do videos uh, probably six days a week, sometimes uh, eight. Uh, consider becoming a channel member to help support the channel. But uh, also you can help support the channel with uh, Super Chats. And as, uh, as I think, Todd, you noticed earlier, I had these lights in my background. Yes. You're like, you're like, what are those lights? Those lights magically change with any super chats, which are uh, donations towards the channel, towards these shows. Uh, let's see. So we're live on YouTube. We're also live on Facebook. If I can find that card somewhere over here. I think it's that one. Facebook. Some of us just became Facebook friends today. Right. Facebook friends. <laughs> Facebook stars you can help support over there. And speaking of Facebook, we're also live in some of my Facebook groups, such as exclusively Van Halen. We got 62,000 members in there. Uh, what else? EVH Gear Fans Live group, uh, EVH Gear Fans Live page, Johnny Bean TV group. And we're also live on uh, X, which is uh, used to be called Twitter which is cool. And uh, after the fact, after we're done here, this show instantly becomes a podcast. So you can listen to this episode on Spotify. And we, we are pretty much everywhere there is. So if you'd like to give us a follow, you can do so. And by the way, our guests links will be in the live chat all night tonight. So if you'd like to follow Todd, Jeff, Natalie, their links will be right over there. And they're down below here on YouTube. So look at that. We got 64 people watching already. You guys are awesome. 65, 65, 65. Yeah. 63, 62. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, abort, abort. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Gee, guys, you guys. Okay. So head, where do we want to start? I guess the, um, the, uh, the history of, of, of headless guitars, how did this all start? You guys are pointing over there. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff's down there. Well, um, when you look at the history of Headless, probably the most iconic uh, early part of Headless was uh, Ned Steinberger's company, Steinberger Sound. 
Mm -hmm. Ned had started with some base designs. Uh, he was in a co-op in Brooklyn with Stu Spector, and they were working on some bases together. And Ned had the idea of um, making an instrument, a base initially more ergonomic. And uh, he found that he could balance it better by not having the headstock, by having the strings tuned at, at the at the bottom of the instrument. And then that led to a number of other developments that were unique to Steinberger, uh, particularly the, the materials that were being used and um, the manufacturing techniques for it. So from there, Ned had uh, an opportunity to set up shop in Newburgh, New York. Um, was a building available and he wanted to uh, start actually manufacturing them um, from the ground up. And of course, those that know Steinberger know they, you know, they were made basically from graphite, epoxy, carbon fiber, and they mm -hmm. were molded. And Ned was a uh, very, very uh, uh, innovative engineer, and he had very strong ideas as to how to get the most sustain and uh, stability out of a out of a bass string, out of an instrument, and. He started by with a very small group uh, of people building the molds and uh, starting to build instruments that way uh, quickly uh, into that. A few years into it, Jeff Babbitts joined up with him and a couple other people. And a few years after that, I got involved and uh, that was Steinberger Sound in Newburgh, New York. We uh, I worked in the mold room. Jeff Babbitts oversaw the uh, overall production throughout throughout the plant and uh, the final assembly. And we were dumb kids that were pretty excited working on innovative guitars. I had heard about Steinberger um, actually when I was in college and that's when it had first started out. And I really, really wanted one when I saw when I saw the, uh, an article on it. So when I got home, I was going to sell my van and buy the only Steinberger around, which was at a store called Rainbow Music in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, was owned by a guy, Don Greenwald. And before I was able to sell my van, Donnie had sold that base to Chasm Sultan. And it was the only one around, you know, they were, they were only building a handful of them at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had no idea I would end up working at the company and what that led to. And of course, uh, as I was telling Johnny earlier, it was interesting in trying to prep for this because this was 30, 35, almost 40 years ago. And when you, when you think of it in that, you know, in that context, uh, and as I was saying, it's not like we have email files that we can go through. I mean, it, it was, we were using, you know, crayons and post-it notes back then to, you know, yeah. to communicate. And, um, but it's very, very interesting where, where it led to from there. And at the time, um, it was shunned, you know, Ned, Ned originally wanted to uh, license out the design and nobody wanted to, uh, to hear of it and uh, it was way too radical and um here you are now you know you look at all these companies you know what, what ola is doing at strandberg and, and certainly what ibanez is doing and what cord is doing you know it's like 35 40 years later it has become almost a standard you know a de facto standard in the industry um we didn't see that when we were starting with it but we, we did have some growth and uh got to meet a lot of cool people a lot of artists and merged with Gibson were bought out by Gibson and that's kind of how mm -hmm. the whole thing started I think Todd can uh, lend his his perspective to that as well mm -hmm. yeah it it I just 
the only reason I discovered Steinberg, I was in New York recording uh, 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 with uh, Fraley's Comet in 87. And I was playing, I had a Les Paul uh, TV model, 57, Les Paul Jr., and then my mm -hmm. regular Les Paul Custom. And Ace Fraley handed me a guitar that would look identical to this black GM. Oh, uh, wow. And he said, here, play this. He said, just like that. <laughs> and uh, I said, what the hell is that thing, you know? And and he said, I just play it, you know, because <laughs> he was a man of many words. Um, so... I plugged it in. I first, first I, you know, I, I, the neck was kind of thin for me. I, I, I'm used to a, a thicker neck, mm -hmm. but I, I plugged it into my hundred watt Marshall, the way I, I record and the speakers I use, and it just sounded like God. I was like, "Holy crap, this is amazing!" And then I got, I love the trans trim because it had a trans trim on it, and the the bomb, the distinctive sound because it doesn't do just a, an even bend. It, it kind of cambers uh, off camber, and it was just phenomenal and and i was hooked so i immediately uh ordered or pretty soon after that i think i ordered my red one which wasn't ready until i think in, in 88 sometime early 88 and, and that's about the time that uh vito brada who was uh with white lion and they were opening up for fraley's comet and we used to hang out and i can't remember if he got his for his white one first or i got mine first but i'm gonna go with i got mine first so prove me wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because he's he's. I mean, I had all those albums when they were brand new, and oh, and, and and the White Lion stuff. I mean, he was known for having having that guitar. He had the the oh. uh, the logo on there. Oh yeah, it, it was it was a phenomenal. He was a phenomenal. Still is a phenomenal guitar player, as far as I know. But he was he was. We used to hang with the the rest of the band, uh, mm -hmm. and I would hang together and he was just a phenomenal player I, and, and i just used to marvel at him because i'm not really a lead player i'm just a rhythm songwriter uh but he was so good at it and and he just made the thing scream and i loved how they did the white lion on on his guitar and i wanted to put uh, something on my red one my first red one which is over here and uh for some reason steinberger said no <laughs> <laughs> i guess i was a white lion like damn it you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I don't. Wow. I don't think we did that logo on on Vito's guitar. I, I think he had somebody do it for him. So don't, oh, really? don't feel oh. like you were left out. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. He played the two T, right? The GM two T. GM two T. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, did he have a two T? Yeah. yeah. I believe he had the. Did you have any twos? I I'm not sure. I think I had the four. I, I have just a lot of the GM one. Jeez. Yeah. No, Jeff, no, I, I, don't, I have a couple of guitars. I don't know what the hell they are, but they're a five string awesome. bass, but they're, they're, they're so much fun. I just get giddy every time I, I get acquire a new one. But those, those are awesome. And then, uh, really quickly here, let me say, say hello to some people. As I said, see, my lights have changed during the show. Uh, Stefan Richard, thank you so much. Thank you, Stefan. I think Natalie, I think you know Stefan. I think they said something in the, uh, in the chat. And then also uh, Martin. Martin Hensley is saying, I wonder uh, when Babix is going to make a floating tram. Yeah, I wonder that too. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, if he's talking about the Babbitt's full contact hardware, which is, is not for headless, uh, th those can be set up to float. And we actually recommend that. But I, I would imagine that the, the person chiming in is, is probably wanting to know if... Uh, if we'll make a headless uh, floating tremolo, 
And uh, I don't, I, I know right now uh, what Jeff's been working on is, is fixed bridges for, for headless using the Babbitt's full contact hardware technology. That, that's been a real big uh, project for us. Uh, we will be introducing that before the end of this year. I'm mm-hmm. excited about that. So it's kind of interesting, like I said before, you know, 35 some years later, you know, to be to be working with that. Mm-hmm. So I know we had talked about this earlier uh, when we were in the green room. Uh, will you be at the NAM show coming up in January? Oh, yeah. We're, we're always there. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. See, I'm, I'm wearing my NAM shirt from 2022. Oh, there it is. Well, I was yeah. there, too. I'm glad to know my dues went to the uh, purchase of that shirt for you. <laughs> it's a little tight. <laughs> All of my I, shirts are tight. <laughs> I love the NAM shows. Like I said, this coming up, technically it will be my 11th year, but there was no NAM, no physical NAM uh, 2021, 21. I guess it was. Yeah. yeah. It was um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing you guys there. Um, I'll be there. I'll be there. It'll probably, I think it's number 27 or 28 for me. If you go back, you know, to the beginning, you know, with the Steinberger years, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, as we had talked earlier, the NAM show has, has a different feel to it. I actually kind of prefer it now because it's a, uh, it's not so much, you know, back, back when we were doing it with Steinberger, um, you know, we had a, a big booth e- even before Gibson had bought us and mm-hmm. Ned designed the booth and Ned made sure to design the booth to be as complicated as possible to put together and even more complicated to take apart and get, get torn down to get out of there. But you did a lot of bit, you know, you, you took orders at the NAMM show and yeah. uh, that's not really the way it, it, it is structured uh, today, but you get to see a lot of new technology for, for the Babbitt's business that we have. It's uh, it's very productive because we are basically licensing our, our innovative technology, uh, a lot of people may know that, that Fender started using our bridges last October on their Aerodyne line. And um, very cool. Yeah, that only took 11 years to get that to happen. Um, to get that overnight. Back. Yeah, overnight. <laughs> 11 years. I still remember the first meeting getting there, and I was told I had the wrong day and the wrong time, and I had to wait another year. But um, <laughs> you don't, you know, the background that Jeff and I had at Steinberger kind of prepared us for this, though, because I will tell you this, and and if Ned were here, he would tell you, and Hap Kuffner, I'm sure his name has come up quite a bit. He was one of the founding fathers and still a very good friend of ours. Um, People were not welcoming to the headless design uh, at all. And uh, I do know that one of the things to turn that around, um, and Todd, you know Hap, and Natalie, you know Hap as well. And Hap was a really good marketing guy. And one thing Hap did at a show, I think it was the summer show when they had it in Atlanta. That's how far back I'm going. Um, he put a Steinberger L2 base across two chairs <clears throat> up on it hmm. to show how strong it was. And uh, so that got an enormous amount of attention, but perhaps even more important, um, you know, back then you had NAM concerts, featured bands, that would perform and everybody would go to those shows. Uh, Andy Summers, uh, who you showed earlier was a big Steinberger player. And, and I remember him doing the show in Anaheim 
with, with not with the police, with, with another band of kind of an all-star band. And, and you're right. He's a brilliant player and, and a wonderful gentleman, mm-hmm. but a, uh, the band that year was uh, the Dixie Dregs, and oh. they were getting a lot of notoriety. And um, Andy West, their bass player, came by the booth and got talking to Ned and got talking to Hap. And uh, that night, Andy West played the Steinberger L2 at the, at the NAM concert. And the next day, they wrote, you know, I mean, the, the story I heard is they wrote, you know, two years worth of business now. Two years worth of business could have been eight guitars or 80 guitars. You know, I don't really know because um, they, were, they, were, they were only building a few at a time. But it definitely validated the technology and it validated the product and it validated the brand. And that was really the beginning of where of where it went and, and molded small L-series guitars, uh, which eventually led to the, the bodied guitars, uh, the M-series, which you could see Todd. You know, I have an, I have an L here. I could show. I can yeah. show an L two, or I can show a GL. Yeah, please do. Okay, let's see. Wow. So here's here's a photo you would send. Let me, really let me grab an L. I'll be right back. Okay. Right over here. There's a photo right there you had sent. Yeah, that's Hap. Oh yeah, with Hap. Yeah, I was talking to him at, at Nam this last year, and and I I didn't realize how in depth he was and important he was to this uh to the steinberger and i gotta reiterate uh, uh what jeff just said about the strength of the guitars the other thing i, I liked about the guitars is back then in 87 88 my kids were small and they'd run around the house and they'd knock over you know my les balls my my flying uh, my explorer and a couple other guitars and it used to freak me out but um with the Steinbergers, it they get knocked over, nothing happens to them. It's amazing how st- strong they are and resilient they are to kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the headstocks don't break off. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, so yeah. the earlier ones are oh, have wow. a brush finish. So this one is like 19-something. But if you look at the ones that are under 1,000, a lot of them have are not this shiny. So That's left-handed. Are you left-handed? This is a lefty. <laughs> yeah, this is a lefty L2. So this was the original, the first Steinberger that they they uh, bulk sold. Bulk sold. That's like that's like the one that Sting played, correct? Yes. Yeah. Sting had an L2. He had a couple L2s. Um, and uh, getting back to Hap, Hap was an original founder of the company. There were four people who, who started the company. Ned, of course, who had all the, the designs and, and he had some of the patents at that time. Hap Kuffner was partners with Stan Jay and they had a store in Staten Island called Mandolin Brothers. So, And Johnny, you probably remember Mandolin Brothers because you have somewhat of that retail background and they were an iconic store. Sadly, Stan Jay passed away also a, a number of years ago. And then there was another guy by the name of Robert Young and Robert Young he owned like a lifeboat company, had, had nothing to do with guitars. He knew nothing about them, but he knew a lot about fiberglass. He knew a lot about molding. And his son was a musician. And so- somehow Ned and Robert met and Robert showed it to his son. And Robert said, you know, this is interesting. I, I-, I might want to get involved. And that- those were the first four guys 
that, that put put the deal together to start to start the company. And then Hap eventually sold his shares. Uh, I think Stan did his way on in while Gibson bought us. And that's a whole I'm sure we'll get to that because that's a, a pretty big part of it. But, yeah, those were the four original guys. Hap Kuffner back then he had an iconic handlebar mustache. I mean, you always knew he had the he had the hat. And he had the mustache and he dressed in black and he he, uh, he spoke some Korean and he spoke some Chinese, which nobody really did back then. And uh, Hap was tight with Jack Westheimer, one of the first guys to start going over to Asia and start looking at building some stuff there. And uh, he was a brilliant, it is a brilliant marketing guy. I, I'm honored to say he's still a very good friend of mine. I call him Consigliere, which is uh, Italians have a... a use that word in, in a number of different ways, but uh, Hap knows what I mean by it. And um, he's uh, he knows everybody in the business. He's he's in this getting close to his mid seventies now, but still sharp as attack. And he, it, it's not an AM show if he's not there. That's, that's how, you know, he still goes to every single show. Jeff, you, you just described it. And nice. I had tombstone in there and then also had Kung Fu Panda. And then you <laughs> stuck a tie in there somehow. How the hell did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, Hap was one of the first people to reach out to me when I started working at Headless USA. So it meant a lot to me. He was very knowledgeable and welcome, welcoming and just wonderful. It's a good man. Mm -hmm. Good man. So, so how how did how did Headless USA start? Um, so Jeff and Don started Headless USA, I want to say around 2012, am I right? Um, I and, think so. Yeah, there goes L2. Um, there goes the headstock. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, how it started was Jeff, or Don was originally a collector. So he had about 200 Steinbergers and mm -hmm. started started restoring them with Jeff and little That's by with Jeff little. Babbitts, just, just to be clear, uh, not, not with me, Jeff, but with Jeff Babbitts, who was doing the restorations. Yeah. I, I met Don about eight years ago. So maybe Jeff Carano, uh, knows a little bit more of like the earlier days when they were just starting out. Uh, yeah. If you, um, so, uh, Donnie Greenwald, uh, had owned a, uh, as I mentioned, he owned a, a music store in, in, this area and Donnie was uh, a wealth of information on vintage guitars. He really, really knew his stuff and um, had, had a pretty good business going with that, doing some vintage stuff, but he was enamored with Steinberger, I think because, you know, we were building them right in Newburgh and, you know, I mean, the Hudson Valley was not known as uh, you know, it's not like, uh, not like Northern California where, you know, the Hillsburg, you have a number of guitar builders there and all, you know, that was enough. So Donnie became, you know, kind of friends with Ned and everybody, you know, at the organization. And um, when Gibson bought Steinberger, he, he, he was a, a good Steinberger dealer. Uh, but at the same time, you had East Coast Music Mall, which was a, a huge Steinberger dealer. We actually, Andy Rossi, a guy who worked for us, had designated them a showroom. So East Coast Music Mall was owned by Ed Roman, another iconic name in the history and, and anybody who's mm -hmm. been involved in, in guitars. And um, so Ed was making a play to kind of buy up all the Steinbergers that were out there because they felt that Gibson was perhaps not going to be able to succeed with it. And Donnie was doing the same thing. 
So you had these two guys kind of outbidding each other um, to collect them. And as Natalie said, Donnie ended up amassing about 200 of them. Well, the thing with Steinbergers is it, it's because of the way they're constructed, uh, because they have a phenolic fingerboard. They don't have a truss rod. Okay. So if you need to set reset the neck, you basically have to carve a relief or sand relief into the phenolic fingerboard, carve relief into, into the fretboard to get them to play perfectly. Mm-hmm. There were only a, a few people that knew how to do that. You know, your 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 average, I shouldn't say average luthier, your really good luthier would still look at a Steinberger and go, well, this is, you know, I, I don't quite know how to work with this. It's not typical guitar technology. But Jeff Babbitt's knew how, okay? So, and he had been involved in every part of production in the factory. So he, um, he understood the gel coat for the finish. He understood the phenolic for the fingerboard. Uh, he's a real smart guitar builder anyway. Uh, and uh, so Donnie kind of looked at it as, you know, why don't I, I bring Jeff Babbitt's on board to have him do some repairs and, and restorations. And that's where they kind of started that, that uh, bond. And then, um, and then uh, sadly, uh, Ed Roman passed away and, uh, and that was it. I mean, Donnie had it. Donnie bought bought everything. He ended up. I I, I think at one point there maybe have been over four hundred uh, guitars at, at wow. his at his location, and um, so uh, and well, then Don used to re- describe it to me because we used to talk about the addiction of these guitars. Yeah, and, and we both conferred. I mean, I mean, commiserated in. The, and the fact that we're highly addicted to them is just, just, it's just alluring the sound, the way they play. Cause every time Jeff Bavix, the artist would uh, redo my guitars, including the one I'm holding, you know, uh, Donnie would play it. And then he teased me that I got to play a guitar today. And uh, <laughs> when you mail it, you bastard, you know, uh, when I'm done playing your guitar, you big baby. So he, uh, he had the same thing I did. It's just, you just have a love for him. And then I, you know, I, I utilize them obviously, uh, and sort of done to a degree. But I'll, I, even when I retire, if and when I retire, I'll continue to collect uh, and and uh, slightly customize and then collect the stock ones from Natalie um, because they're just they're just addictive. It's just it, it, it's hard to explain. You know, it's, some people collect uh, coins and. We just happen to collect very expensive guitars. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about Don wow. was um, he'd always insist that Steinberger was the best sounding, best playing guitar. And, uh, you know, he insisted on it for so long. And um, I always talk about this, but I was like, well, who plays a Steinberger? And, you know, we, we bonded over like Eric Clapton and his Black Strat and, um, you know, Les Paul's and, he was like, no, this is the best guitar. This is the best, this is the one. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting um, to really like understand Steinbergers better and, and get the chance to play them. But he's very particular about things. So why don't you fill them in then from, from that point, how had, you know, cause Donnie basically formed Headless USA as an entity. And Headless USA, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he looked at it as it was like the one-stop expertise for Steinbergers, for, for real Steinbergers. Made in Newburgh Steinbergers, you know, some Nashville, but mostly made in Newburgh, even made in Brooklyn. 
And uh, maybe you can uh, fill Johnny and the, and the audience in as to how, you know, how, how it exists today. Well, it's pretty incredible what they did. You know, they basically took parts out of extinction and got them manufactured and um, even improved on certain aspects like the battery covers. They were really hard to get off and often lost. So they made them, you know, easy to remove. And um, I think Jeff Babix is like a genius with engineering. So, you know, he was just able to engineer certain things and improve upon them. And, um, you know, I uh, it's just incredible to see to see how there's nowhere else to go for certain things. And certain things are only being made for Headless USA to provide for vintage Steinberger players. So, um, yeah. And everything is um, like really great quality. Like the cases they use are TKL. Um, you know, the the logo for Headless USA was made by I believe Stu Staley, who did the original Steinberger logo. Yeah, he did. Really incredible. Oh, nice! Incredible efforts that were put into it. That I, I admire. Hey Johnny, I just saw uh, Algin chimed in and said hello and. This technology is a little bit too advanced for an old man like me. So can you just tell Aljon that I said hello? Back? <laughs> Aljon, what's up, man? <laughs> good to see you, dude. Yeah, he says good to see. Good, good to see good him. Good to see too. everybody good here. Yeah. And anyone who can survive as long as he has in, in where he's been is uh, that that doesn't kill you will make you stronger. And I'm guessing Aljon can probably bench press Buick's. Um, but he's a good man and he's doing a great job, you know, running, running their, uh, you know, Epiphone and Kramer and, and all that stuff. We, we enjoy meeting with him. Mm -hmm. We've worked on a couple things together. I think we're going to be working on some other with, with the Babbitt's products. And uh, so it's, it's nice to see him uh, chime in here. Nice. Yeah, I, I met uh, Al John in person at the at the Gibson, uh, the uh, Gibson Garage. Yep. In in Nashville about six, seven months ago. I think Algin lives at the Gibson garage now. I mean he's, he's I would live there if I could. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I like the comments that say uh, Todd's ready to rock. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Not like I'm anxious or anything, but like, oh God, oh, I need to play, but no. If if I was surrounded by all those guitars too, I'd 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 just, play. Ball, you know, <laughs> wow. God, I love this thing. Man. I've I've never I've never had the privilege to play a uh, thank you, James. Look at this. See my lights, they, they keep going off. Green. James, thank you so much. Thanks for Thank Mike. you so James. much. Says hey to Natalie. Is actually doing Headless USA's new website. So, oh, yeah. Right on. Yeah, they do a really good job. So we're going to do some kind of like, it's going to be a little 80s, a little bit uh, cyber. We're going to keep the color green because that was uh, Dawn's favorite color. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. We're going to have a lot of different things going on with it. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, so the website... The website's down below, or it's in the chat here. If you guys, every it's like every like fifteen lines, uh, the, the it'll trigger like the uh, the links for you guys tonight. Um, 
What was I going to say? Let me ask Todd. Let me ask you. I've got a couple. Well, I got so many questions. Sure. First of all, like, let's just take like all those guitars that you have there. Like mm -hmm. you, you said, you said they're addicting. I yeah. mean, I mean, I mean, look at that. How different? I mean, obviously, there's different pickup configurations. Um, how different? Like, are they essentially are the necks identical or, or, or different? Pretty much on the necks for the for the the GM one uh, uh, T models, they're all the same. Um, the 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 I think the twelve string, my twelve string Coa wood, which was only one made according to Don, and I got it. This this neck's a little wider, oh, wow. and I used this on the, my one of my heavy songs on the heavy canvas. But this thing, I get I start sweating when I pull this out of the case. And then when I build the when I built this thing up here, I'm just you're terrified of something happening. But yeah, they, they're all principally the same. Um, they have a little different sounds. Of course, the basses uh, play differently, and the, the five string basses are are, are uh, an art form to get to learn how to play those because usually a five string bass is a little bit further apart, and these strings are a little mm -hmm. closer together because I think they utilize if Jeff uh, if. If I'm correct, they utilize kind of a thinner neck to stick the five strings on. So that's you have exactly to realize, what we did. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be. My hands are like medium to large. You know, for a guy five foot seven, so it's it's an art form to get in there and play it. But God, they just sound so amazing. And well, then it, it also depends on how you strike and play the guitars that makes the distinctive sounds. Um, like this, I've just got this plugged into a little tiny Fender amp, and just the way it sounds just normally i mean just the way you hit it i mean it, you could have wow. so many different sounds just the way you pick it and i learned a little bit of my picking style from the late john regan because i used to marvel at his bass playing how are you getting that sound so he, he told me a couple of secrets and I've incorporated that into my guitar playing. But uh, the timer is so versatile. I, mean, it's just, I just love it. It just, I mean, for me, it's, it's intoxication, audio intoxication is what it is. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 just something about the the sound of of those those tremolos. They, they, yeah, they're they're very distinct. I mean, there's I mean, and I like the way I play. It reminds me of the tremolo that ZZ Top used in one of the songs many years in the seventies, and I was just transfixed. I can't remember the song now, but it's. Just... So many different types of. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like having like, like a built in chorus. Yeah. Effect. Yeah. In your, in your, your bridge. Said, what are you going through? I said, nothing. I go straight in. When I was younger and growing up here and doing cover bands, of course I was playing keyboards, keyboards, singing lead and playing guitar. And I wasn't really that good on guitar, but I'd have it hooked up into a bunch of effects. Mm -hmm. And 
used to irritate me because it always, you know, short out, the cord would go bad, or somebody like me would step on it. And it just used to irritate the hell out of me. So eventually when I started uh, doing big tours, I use minimal um, effects, which, you know, it's not really recommended in today's music, I guess, but I would go straight in, Marshall 100 watt, maybe a little bit here, a little bit there, some pedal. But it this thing just produces such different sounds depending on how you attack it and you play it. It's just, that's what I love about Steinberg. Yeah. So, so how, how does, how does the... How does the, the the tremolo? How does it feel? Like I said, I've I've never I've never the played way it I myself. Have it set up is it, it, it's pretty. I guess it, it pretty much floats in the back end, the ass end of this thing, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's so much fun to tune. People always freak out. How do you tune it? So you don't. It comes that way from the store. That's the way you have to do it. <laughs> you, know. But, you know, it's like when I do a drop D. so quick to tune uh and i'm so used to playing uh, the 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 uh trans trim bridge i mean my hand sits on just perfectly uh, and i i can always grab the bar the thing that don used to hate with my bar was always hanging down like <laughs> it resembles something but he hated that bring it out of bring up this angle i don't like that angle bring up that. i'm not gonna i bought the guitar i'll play what the hell i want to play so, but uh, <laughs> For photos, I'd always put it right where he wanted, you know. Then he was happy, big baby. And then uh, yeah. that's where he liked to be all the time. And, yeah. You know, I can't play. It's got to be out of the way. And yeah. I learned that from watching Eddie Van Halen play years ago. Because he played, and he'd pick it up, and then he'd get, he'd oh, get the hell out of the way. So I always thought that was kind of cool and, I guess, somewhat phallic. Who knows? I, you know. Let <laughs> me... Yeah, my, I, my introduction to those guitars was through Eddie, through Eddie Van Halen, through the Fifty One Fifty yeah. album. You know, he did a couple songs, uh, "Summer Nights," uh, "Get yeah. Up," where mm-hmm. he really featured that guitar. Although maybe you guys can 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 tell us, um, wasn't he given? I, I think he was given like his original guitars, his Steinbergers, back in like like eighty two, something uh. like that. I don't think it was that early because, um, you know, Eddie uh, became enamored with the trans trim, which was developed a, a little bit after that. And maybe it was the bass. Yeah. Maybe it was a bass he was given yes. in '82. And, and there, there, there are some pictures out there floating uh, yeah. in the internet of, of Ed using uh, an L2 bass. And oh uh, no he way! Was, he was doing uh, he yeah was doing bass tracks. I want to see that. Yeah, I I think he would take one on tour and because he would, he would be recording demos in his hotel room. Yeah. There was a photo of him in a hotel room with a bunch of cassettes on yep. the ground. Yeah. And you can see that bass like on, yeah. on the bed next yeah, but, to him. But then when he got into the guitar, it was um, I, and I don't I can't remember exactly how it how it came about. Uh, my understanding was he, he had. Um, uh Jeez, he, he may have talked to David Bowie. We had done a, a, a GL fixed bridge for David Bowie, and then we did a chrome-plated one for him. And um, I think he had seen it there. I believe he reached out to Ned. Andy Rossi may have been involved in it. Andy Rossi was a um, kind of an artist relations sales guy that, that was working with us. Very, very sharp guy. 
mm-hmm. knew a lot of people, was a really good player. Um, he's, he's now a high-level guy at Sweetwater, like a senior executive. He was a senior VP oh, cool. offender after Steinberg. Andy, Andy was there when Gibson bought us, and Andy had the foresight. He was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on, you know? We were like, what are you talking about? How could you possibly – and uh, he, he, he knew the, the landscape a little better than the rest of us, I guess. But um, from there, the, the development of the, the trans trem, the transposing tremolo, I mean, that was incredibly innovative. And, and you know, most, most of the people chiming in, I'm sure, know you, this for the first time, you, you could take a guitar and, and bring it up a whole step. You could bring it down a whole step. Going down a half step wasn't all that popular back then, so it didn't really occur to us to, to design it that way or for Ned to design it that way. And that reminds mm-hmm. me of what you were talking about with the five-string, Todd, on on the five-string had a narrow neck. The five-string, you know, we were molding these. We were making molds, which was really, really expensive to make. So, yeah, all those necks are pretty much the same. And when we started making five-strings, we just used the same molds. But in mm-hmm. fairness, back then... Mm-hmm. Five string bass wasn't anywhere near as popular as it is now. There, there were not a whole lot of guys. So people, people love wide five. Right. But back then it wasn't that big a deal. And, uh, you know, basically had to change the bridge mm-hmm. and, uh, and the headpiece. Um, the trans tram was a different animal altogether. And I, I do remember the first, the first trans tram uh, and, and real diehard Steinberger people will know this. The ball end of the string where where it went into the bridge tuner was threaded. The little ball end actually had threads and it went into the jaw, which was also threaded. So which would receive it. So, you know, because what what you had to be able to do was individually adjust the height of where it sat back there without changing the action, but keeping the intonation. So it was a process of screwing it in a little bit, checking it on a tuner, bringing it up, bringing it down and back and forth. And uh, it was uh, Ned myself and Jeff Babbitts uh, at the shop in, in Newburgh. And um, he brought down the first couple prototypes and it, it took me eight hours to set up the trans I'm not kidding. Eight hours. I think I smoked two packs of cigarettes because back then everybody smoked cigarettes. So you could like smoke in the workplace. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Ned used to say he didn't smoke, but he always bummed cigarettes from me. So I finally <laughs> said, man, you smoke, you just don't buy them. And, but um, and then from there, you know, eventually he came up with the, with the, the, uh, the jaws so that you, you didn't need the threaded ball. Cause that was, you know, we didn't have CNC manufacturing back then. We didn't even have C. <laughs> so <laughs> half the stuff made, you know, was ex- excruciating. And that was, uh, you know, really Ned's forte, uh, you know, get, getting the tooling made to make stuff like that. Um, so Ed Van Halen was, was someone who, really got it and uh, and there's a hand, handful of others in the beginning david torn comes to mind da- david understood how to trans drum worked and he lives local he was coming by the shop when that was being uh developed and and adding mm-hmm. in you know his input uh adrian Ballou definitely knew how to work a trans trim mm-hmm. um we had uh adrian was on tour with david bowie at the time and he invited ned and myself and i think jeff babbitts may have gone on that too they were at the brendan burn arena and um, so you had a, a number of players that really understood it. But, you know, it, it became this like everybody had to have a trans trim, whether they knew how to use it or wanted to use it or not. Yes. And, uh, we just had to keep <laughs> making trans. Trim. Todd has most of them. 
Yeah, yeah. Tom, yeah he does. <laughs> I can't believe that because, like I said, I've never tried one. Yeah, and I, I would, I would love to try one at some point. It would just, yeah. I, it would just. Yeah, well, like Todd, a... Todd can lend you a dozen of his or so. He won't even know. <laughs> no, no, mine, 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 mine. You guys are on the on the left coast there. You guys. Yeah, that's right. Out. Yeah, that's you can right. uh, oh, come up and I'll bring one. You can play around with. We we'll put it in that blue room you got there, just uh, below the vodka or above the vodka. I'm not sure where that is. But... Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, one of those guitars would fit nicely back there. <laughs> no, agree. like, like, like I said. Like I said, I've I've never never tried one. Um, I, it'd be really interested to to try one with with the way that I play and and like I said, I was introduced to it through the fifty one fifty album, and then uh, it's it's just an amazing sounding. Yeah, just an amazing sounding uh, guitar. I mean, very unique. Yeah. Well, very, I, I, I was saying earlier, I think before we talked about it, I, I remember, you know, because I listened to all kinds of Van Halen. That was one of my favorite bands when they first came out. And I kept listening. Later on, I would listen to the, the band and the way it would go down. And I go, that is such a distinctive sound. I really, you know, I'm not all that familiar. And then I got my first Steinberger, this red one right here. And uh -huh. and I played what that's what Eddie's using. He's using a trans tram. And so I, I was like, yes, I've got, I've got the equation. I got the, the, the equation, the recipe for success. <laughs> I don't play lead like that, but <laughs> this is the, the first one I had. And I used oh, brand wow. new And it's, I wore this thing out, but it is still in great shape. I may have uh, Bavix eventually redo it, but this thing was like, oh my God, it is just, you know, godsend. So, and then I found another one that's uh, over here on the other side. Just a couple of years ago, uh, here in California, and according to Jeff Bavix, he said that one, based on serial numbers, was probably made the day after yours was made. So I quickly snatched that one up, and it it plays. Actually, I played that when we did the Fraley's Count reunion in in uh, the Chance of Poughkeepsie. Nice. And it needs a little bit of work, so that's you know I've got like three that Jeff needs to get on, but. Yeah, I may want to do the root beer, root beer one first, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's such a distinctive sound uh, in the playing style, and, and it's inspiring also to you know, play different things. It's like when I played my uh, baritone guitars with the Babix bridge bridge on the vocals and with the tremolo. Oh my god, this is so fun! I could go on for hours talking about this stuff. Oh well, that that's what we do here. But I'll sit down because I'm <laughs> five years old. Well, you know, it, it, it is. Interesting that the, the concept of the Babbitt's full contact hardware, which, which we've been doing for a number of years now, um, where the idea came from actually was rooted in, in kind of Steinberger lore. So uh, mid 80s, mid to late 80s, um, at that point, you know, the business was we were starting to crank. We, you know, we had 40 employees, 30, 40 employees. Um, we, we were building a lot of guitars, selling a lot, you know, and, and he basically sold to retailers and, and distributors. You know, mm -hmm. we, there were things called sales reps back then. You don't even see that so much now. We, we sold a ton to, to Manny's. Uh, I, I, it was a guy, Jose Farrell was the, the head of the guitar and, and Benny Torado. I was on the phone with those guys every day. They were constantly buying them. But um, I had 
added to my responsibilities in the afternoon, the, the customer service part of it, which really was guitars and basses would come back in that needed to be tweaked or, you know, needed to be repaired or whatever. And Jeff Babbitts was running the uh, supervising the entire final assembly department. And those two departments were separated by one wall that we could get to each other on. So, so we were working really quite closely uh, together and, um, we would get bases back. Uh, I, I, I think, um, the guy from simply red said, said this, and, and they would say, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. It just doesn't sound the same as when I first got it. There doesn't seem to be as much, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the dynamics don't seem to be there. The punch isn't there. The sustain isn't there. And Jeff figured out pretty close pretty quickly what was happening is over, you know, course of, of many, many gigs, somebody's on tour for six, seven months. Um, the little set screws that would anchor the, the saddle to the bridge would start to loosen and come out a little bit. And that changed how much um, resonance, uh, how much vibration from the string was being transferred to the body of the instrument. And so it was an easy fix, um, but he, he always remembered that so that, you know, I guess thinking, you know, 30, 35 years from now, I'm going to come up with a bridge and I'm going to remember that concept, which is really how he came about with the ECAM system on our bridges, which is this cam inside this housing. And these, uh, if I can hold this the right way, the set screws adjust the height, lock it into place. But the entire time, the saddle housing is continuing to make contact with the, the, uh, the floor of the bridge and the body of the guitar. So um, that really came from, you know, him recognizing and remembering that happening. And that was the basis behind, uh, you know, what we've been doing for quite a while now. Um, That's just beautiful. That's just art. That's just art. My God. Yeah. And now, you know, of course, Jeff, you know, he, he understands CAD. You know, he understands how to do uh, all that. So we didn't have those tools back then. And um I can't stress enough, you know, I was telling a story, you know, before we went on that, you know, when I was in sales and, and we got our first Telex machine and, and I'd venture to guess half of the people chiming in here have never heard of a Telex machine. And I remember looking at it and thinking it'll never get any better than this. You know, I mean, you can communicate <laughs> with people on the other side of the world and, you know, within a day you'd hear back from them. Now you can send a CAD file in about eight minutes. So uh, that's a, you're used to this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I still use this. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're tech savvy too, though, because you set up this whole uh, multi-screen thing. I mean, you got people yeah. coming in, changing the colors behind you. That's that's a lot further than I could ever go with this. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait to see, the, you know, in another, you know, five, ten years what goes on with yeah. everything. Well, I mean, t- technology is just yeah. – I think we were going to get into that too. Technology is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, I mean, just today, all the different things going on, whether you're into into guitars, uh, lights, you know, whatever mics, whatever that is. Right. There's always something new and exciting. And well, um, I think a big impact on it is certainly going to be the 3D printing. A lot of people are already using that. So you can oh, make, yeah. you can make prototypes far more cost effectively. You know, remember, I mean, Ned designs a tremolo and it's got to be sent to the local machinist and, you know, maybe three or four months and a couple thousand dollars later, you get a prototype that doesn't work. And then you start Mm -hmm. doing it all over again. I mean, it's very, very different today. 
Um, but you still need the great ideas to start with. I, I think, I think with 3D printing and, and what's happening with AI, which I really don't understand, I probably won't live long enough to see <laughs> how that's going to turn out. But the technology is, is a, a huge, huge plus. And it's part of the reason why you can get really good playing guitars for, uh, you know, less money today. I mean, you could go into oh, a, yeah. a store and take a guitar off the rack for less than $300 and you can use it at a gig that night. You mm-hmm. couldn't do that, you know, in the early 80s. That, that was out of the question. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, really quickly, we got 90 people watching us. And see, I told you an hour in, it's like, it's, hour, it's, like, hour. it's like awesome. Uh, let's say hello to some people really quickly. We got, we got a lot of people here in the chat. By the way, were, were we doing a giveaway? Yes, we, we are. We're doing a giveaway tonight? Yeah. I can oh, okay. I can show what we're giving away. Oh, no. sure. I have to grab ah. it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No. Which, which, how many of those are we giving away tonight? Oh, by, by the way, Todd. Is that your normal like backdrop, or no, did you build that the, for us? The Teletubbies came in and dropped this. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, Babix loves purple, and he always has a purple work a pad on every guitar he works on. So yeah. I've got like, a brilliant color for contrast. Well, obviously today I ran out of purple, so I had to use my green screen. Hence the Teletubby remark, and then I got my my CD rack over here. So this. It really looks like um, it's pretty much a train wreck uh, surrounded by beautiful Steinbergers. It looks awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome. There we go. And there's Todd's website right there. Yeah, that's that's what we're. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of my, all my CDs. I've got. Uh, I'm finishing up my autobiography here. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, T-shirts from Four by Fate and Return of the Comet, and then my my solo CDs. And I just got from Kathy Regan who's John Regan's widow, uh, some back stock that he had uh, catalog back there of, of four, signed four by eight CDs, some buttons um, and some other shirts. And, and I believe uh, a few other things, picks, a bunch of rare picks I've never even seen before, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be putting up on my, my website there next week. And uh, the sales, most of the sales are going to go to John Regan Memorial in Wappingers Falls. Um, so that, uh, that'll be for Kathy and family. And uh, yeah, Todd, can, you, can you talk a little bit about John? Cause I don't know how many uh, people chiming in are, are familiar yeah. with him. Although he did, he did play Steinberger and he, and uh, pl- plus also some NS stuff, but you might want to maybe just give some background on, uh, I, I don't John, even know if Johnny knows who John, John is. is. I remember when I was, when I was playing with cheap trick in 85 and 86, uh, in 86, we were on tour with um, John Waite when he had the big hit, uh, I ain't missing you at all. That, that too was great. Mm-hmm. And so I used to listen to the band at, at Soundcheck because we'd, we'd get co-headlining. Uh, some nights they'd, they'd warm, uh, you know, warm up for us, other nights we'd warm up for them. Um, and I'd listen to Soundcheck, and the, the band was phenomenal. John Waite didn't do Soundchecks at that time. And it was John Regan on bass, Arthur Stead on keyboards, who was the original Fraley's Comet member, and the, the late Frankie LaRocca on drums. What a feel. Um, and I forget the name of the guitar, guitar player, great guy. Uh, <laughs> so great, I can't remember his name. But the sound <laughs> of the band was just phenomenal. And so 
I walked up to John one day and said, uh, hey, I'm Todd Howard. I play keyboards to cheap trick. He goes, hey, yeah, I've been watching you. I see you up there singing, playing, and you're singing one hell of a lot, blah, blah, blah. So we started talking. He wanted to know what I did. and very cordial. And I said, well, I, actually, I'm more of a guitar player, songwriter, and lead singer. I just, you know, I play keyboards for, for, for cheap trick because, you know, I, I love the band, and, and plus it's, it's my job. And so he said, well, that's interesting. He says, I'm working on a project right now, but I can't tell you what it is. But let's exchange information. Four months later, he gives me a call and said, hey, um, I'm, we're consolidating the band we have, and the band's called Freilich Comet. It was Ace Freilich from Kiss. And that's how I met John Regan, and that's how I got, got involved with Ace Freilich and Freilich Comet. And when I got in the studio, I'll just say this. When I got in the studio with John Regan and, and Anton Fig, uh, who is just a nice. monster, um, the sound that we, when we would cut three piece and even if ace was there uh if we'd cut three piece, it sounded like zeppelin i mean i play real in my rhythm's way in the backbeat and so is john but when john would play and then he'd come back in the studio in the booth to re-record whatever he wanted to do mm -hmm. i would i've never heard a bass tone and accuracy and bottom end like that in my life it's just boom ba -bum, bum, bum. it was huge so i was instantly a john regan fan so wow. John was uh, a local guy from here, uh, Johnny. Um, he, he actually uh, grew up and and lived in Wappingers Falls, wh where we are. And mm -hmm. um, he was, uh, I, I remember being 15 years old with my fake ID that I would use to go into the clubs to watch John Regan play. And uh, he was the, you know, he was the guy. He was the bass player in town. And then he, he eventually went on to... Uh, uh, yeah, he's mostly known for uh, Peter Frampton. I think he played with Peter for right. 25 years or more, I think, Todd, right? In yeah, I mean, more than that, but yeah, but he, that, that, you're right about that. He 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 played with Frampton right after, I think, the plane crash. It took out uh, some of the, in, uh, the instruments yeah. that, uh, that they had. And, and But yeah, that was, I mean, besides his resume is yeah, four times as, as much as mine. Uh, and mine's not that you know impressive compared to John, but yeah, it, he, he was the he was the mayor of Wapinger Fall, wasn't he? The unofficial mayor. <laughs> the unofficial mayor, and true story though, he would be the park commissioner of Wapinger's when he wasn't on tour because he had a real love for his hometown, and uh, you know his his children and grandchildren live on the same streets. So, anyway, we, we bring this up, and that, that's really where Todd and I got to know each other a lot better through our mutual friend John Regan. John Regan. Um, Mm -hmm. absolutely one of the most wonderful human beings you could ever, ever be blessed to meet. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can't, it can't be overstated. And, um, you know, we, we tragically uh, and suddenly lost him uh, just last April, right before NAMP. And, um, uh, but he's, he's left a legacy here. Um, and uh, I remember him, you know, we got him an XQ base, a Steinberger XQ, when he was on tour with Stephen Stills. And uh, so he came to the NAMM show. But I really got to know him a lot better after that. And then we ended up being neighbors. I mean, I, I live four blocks from, from his wife. And, um, but that's the, when we bring up John Regan, um, that, that's the backstory. Again, and Todd's right. If you looked up John's, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he has a Wikipedia page or something. I mean, the list. I'm, list I'm looking that. at it. I'm it's looking at it right now. Yeah. He, he played, John played uh, the big, tall, uh, fretless Steinberger stick bass. The NS. The he's, he's, they still have it, yeah. 
Yeah, it, he played that on uh, the uh, on the 4x Fate album it, on my song um, Amber Waves. And he played that. And he also did it, I think he played it live a couple of times when I do Amber Waves, just acoustically with the piano, and he'd play with that. And uh, he'd make that thing sound like gold. Yeah. The mm -hmm. most humble man you'd ever meet. I mean, there were still people in town that he'd hang out and have coffee with, and they had no idea what his career was. Right. And I I met him and knew him. I didn't. I had no idea his career either. Yeah, he was. Uh, that I've, was not what he was about, and um, just so sad. So sad that he uh, yeah. he's not with us now. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at his his the Wikipedia. Uh, he. He played bass on Dancing in the Street. Yeah, with, with the Big Bowie Jagger. and Jagger yeah, yeah. song. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Billy Idol's uh, yeah. Whiplash Smile he played. Yeah. Uh, David Lee Roth, yeah. he played on his Your Filthy Little Mouth record. Um, and then, of course, there's there's Ace Frehley, Frehley's Comet, Peter Frampton, Four by Fate. Stephen Stills, um, I think he played with Stephen Stills. Yeah, Stephen Stills. He was on tour with John Waite. Yeah. Um, uh, wow. and, and if you sat down with him, you know, he, he'd want a, a cannoli and, and a cappuccino or an espresso. Yeah. And you would talk about anything other than music. You, you know, he was mm -hmm. just that kind of guy. And, um, you know, again, just just uh, gone gone too soon. But he and, he and Todd were very close. And uh, he was also a great businessman. And he, yeah. he he watched the pennies. You know, he, he could stretch that that penny into, you know, the telephone wire, which was smart. You know, when yeah. you're operating on a budget, but he was very good with the money, and uh, he he took care of a, a lot of aspects of the touring uh, uh, for Fredless Comet and other bands. Yeah, and so that we were very grateful to have that input as well. I remember him telling me when when he first he got the first gig with, with Frampton, right? And he had to like learn the stuff on the way to the show, and he did it, and he did a, I, I forget how many dates, and he got his he got his check. And I don't know what it was, but I mean Frampton was pretty big name, you know, so I'm sure the yeah. check was pretty good size. And, and John said, I'm never going to get paid like this again. So I'm going to really save this money. And uh, he ended up getting paid that way again, over and over and over again. But that that was his mindset. You know, he lived below his means and, uh, you know, his family, everything to him, you know, and uh, smart guy, one of the smartest human beings I ever met. And um, so that's the John Regan backstory. And I'm sure other people will, will the people will talk about John for, forever. And, and, uh -huh. and they should. Yeah. Awesome. I know he meant awesome. a lot to both of you. Yeah, it was that day when he passed away. I had a friend of a friend fan that lives in Raptor Falls, a retired uh, police officer. He called me uh, and said, "Hey, you know, uh, this is what's happening." And I was just, I was just horrified. I said, "Please keep me posted." So he called me back shortly after and said he passed and. Well, I spent, you know, I'm sitting there with tears in my eyes. It's just very upsetting. And I ended up calling everybody. The only person I didn't talk to was Ace. But I called up Richie Scarlett, you know, uh, uh, Steve Budgie uh, Werner from uh, The Return of the Comet, uh, Rob Afuso from Skid Row, because he was the drummer in Four by Fate. Pat Gasparini, who was also, Pat used to work for Steinberger, and he gave John a lot of stuff. Yeah, I according to Pat, but uh, <laughs> I spent all day on the phone, you know, talking to people about him. And I, uh, Danny Stanton and Eddie Trunk talked to Eddie Trunk. Um, and I'm probably forgetting a few other people, but 
it just it's just horrifying you know i mean truthfully speaking yeah i turned 66 here in about nine days and and john was a little bit older than i am uh but it was just you start to realize like okay what, what what's it TikTok? what's happening here how much time have I, you know, that's my greatest fear. Not that I want to make this all about me, but, uh, you know, I always fear, I'm a great fear of not being able to get the next new song out, you know? So it's, it's real important to do, give out, con contribute as much as you can with your creativity uh, while you're still here. So that was, uh, I remember uh, my daughter Bianca getting home and saying, uh, dad, have you been seeing what Todd's posting on Facebook? And, uh, of course, knowing Todd as I do and what he usually posts on Facebook, I'm like, oh, please, I don't, I don't want to go into that right now. But she said, no, Dad, something, something's wrong. And we had just lost another friend a few days before, Reggie Ward. And I thought, I said, that's got to be what Todd's, because you just had kind of a cryptic, like, this is just too much to bear. Yeah, I and remember that. No. I started hearing, and I just sent Todd a, a direct message through Facebook, and I, I, I think I just said, Please tell me this isn't yeah. what I think it is. Yeah, I remember that. And um, so, anyway, on that uplifting news. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like it's like that light should be turning blue here pretty soon again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it it was unsettling for so many people. Uh, but um, the good thing is that John united a lot of people. He did. I got yeah. to know Jeff uh, Carano, Jeff Abix, uh, even got the finally meet ned steinberger earlier uh, or last year no earlier this year is it nam yeah Nam. like yeah. I, I never met him so I'm like yeah you know like like a kid meeting mickey mouse you know 20 years ago um but uh it he brought a lot of people together and and i'm th forever thankful for that yeah i never asked this but i'm sure john knew don oh, oh yeah. yeah sure okay yeah oh yeah they, everybody they, they, knew don <laughs> Everybody knew Don around around here, so uh, and everybody that knew Don knew that Don liked pistachios. Yeah, 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 and cashews. He had that bag of cashews on his dining Ten room bags. table for eighteen months. Ten bags each. Batteries told me I said that because we were battling about what he's calling me a big baby, and we're just battling. We like to collect things in multiples. Yeah, Babic said, "Ask him about his cashews. Whatever the hell he's got on the table. How long has yeah. been there?" So I did. He said. Well, they've been there for a while. I'm going to eat them. You know, when he passed, that bag of cashews sat there. I went into his house, and on the fridge, magneted to the fridge, was a $200 receipt for pistachios and cashews from Trader Joe's. So he drove all the way to Danbury to buy $200 worth of pistachios and cashews and drove back. So that's where my money went. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Natalie, I see you're holding you're holding something there. What is that? Positive Grid was nice enough to give us a one of their Spark amps, and they put the Headless USA logo on it. Oh, and we will be giving one of these away. I have another one in a box. Oh no way! Yep. So everybody watching right now, if you're watching this live, all you gotta do is participate in the chat. Say hi, say hello, and you'll be entered to win that. And this logo actually was made by a gentleman named Tim Leahy. He's a tattoo artist, and mm -hmm. he collected Steinbergers, and he made this logo for Don and sent him a bunch of stickers. 
So it's oh, awesome. really cool. It's a headless horseman, and he's holding a GM. Very cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I've got. Uh, I think Dawn. No, did you get me? Uh, yeah, I sent you a bunch of stickers. I right, think. right. I got the stickers. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow. Yes. So everybody, if you're watching right now, if if you'd want your chance a chance to win that, say something in the chat. Just type type uh, type a number one in the chat. Let's get everybody everybody in here. Look at this, and plus that gives me a chance to read some names here. We got Be Real, uh, we got Raphael, we got Ryan, we got Michael B, we got Larry Riker, Yostinator, we got Robbie Stingle, Guitar Man Forty Five, Channel Member. We have a lot of people here. We got ninety six watching live. We got Peggy, 97, 97. <laughs> 92, 91. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Corcoran is here. He's a long Frank Corcoran's been watching my shows for Todd. I was telling you, I've been doing these shows for going on nine years. Yeah. Frank, uh, this name here, Frank Corcoran. I remember that name from eight years ago. Wow. That's that's loyalty right there. It is. You're doing um, something right. My dad says hi. <laughs> Thank you. Huh? My dad said hi. Oh, that there you're. There's your dad. <laughs> hey, hello. Dad, dad. dad. My dad actually got me into guitar. He played to my mom's belly when she was pregnant. She was pregnant with me. Uh huh. My dad's a singer songwriter. Oh wow. Yeah, very talented. Awesome. So you came out and started playing drums. Uh, piano. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what I learned. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm back. You were right, Johnny. The show uh, outlasted my full match. So. <laughs> Every time I look over, I realize my, what the guitar I'm looking for is in the, in the other room. <laughs> oh. I did want to show the GL2T that Eddie Van Halen played. Oh, yeah. So I might have to run off again. So I'll be back. Okay. okay. Yeah. Right on. Uh, 99. 90, 99 watchers. Can we get to 100 watchers live? Oh, that, that'd be awesome. I tell you my uh, Vito Brada story. That'll probably bring a, a few folks. Oh, Vito, in. yeah. Oh, wow. Want me to do it? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and just full disclosure, I reached out to Vito today. To say, you know, listen, I'm going to be on this podcast talking some Steinberger history. And, and there was a, a certain event that we were involved in. And I said, uh, are you OK with me mentioning it? Because Vito's very um, he takes his uh, he's a private guy. OK, he, he, he he's not looking for the limelight at all. And and um, I want to respect that. And I always do with him. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote me back and he said, yeah, no, you can definitely. Uh, and I'll be watching tonight, too. So. Um, it, it's Vito. what's kind of about it was back then. Um, so this is late 80s, 87, I, I guess, 86, 87, maybe 88. Uh, one of the ways that you, you counted on to market and sell your guitars was really heavily on artist relations, more so than it is today. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Todd and I are about the same age, so we kind of remember, you know, you'd buy an album. Because you wanted to open up the album, look at the liner notes, because you wanted to see what instruments those guys were playing. You know, that was that was important. Yep. And back at that point, there was a, 
a show called MTV, and it actually played music videos. You and you, you, you would you could see the artist, and you could see, you know, I mean, for guys like us, it's what's he going to play? What bass is he going to play? What amp is he going to use? You know, I mean, that, and that drove a lot of, um, a lot of sales. Um, and I do remember um, a video came out. I, I, if I remember right, it may have been when the children cry. And uh, it was White Lion, and, and I wasn't familiar with them. Andy Ross, he was. He knew them. They were playing at Lemoore's in Brooklyn. And um, this incredible guitar solo was played on a white GM, and it was Vito Brada. And the next day, we couldn't keep up with the phone calls from dealers and, and, and consumers looking, looking to get white GMs. And um, that's how quickly, you know, it, it would happen from, from seeing, you know, a, a prolific artist use your instrument and people made the connection. And it was a lot of people don't know this, but it was um, a little troubling because, you know, everybody said, well, Steinberger's doing, you know, wood bodies, maple bodies now. So that's got to cost less than their graphite instruments. So if they sell a lot, they're going to make more. Not true. Not at the time. Um, we didn't make the maple bodies at our factory. Okay. We, we weren't like, you know, ESP or PRS. We, we were built, we were molding graphite instruments and graphite necks. So the bodies had to be brought in from, from companies that specialized in that. And I was a general manager at, at that time. Uh, Gibson had already bought us. So I reported directly to, to Gibson, to Henry Jesko, it's the CEO and, and was, kind of mandated that, you know, okay, you're going to buy the bodies from, from Gibson. Now there's a couple things that, that we learned from back then. And, and, and one was when, when Gibson bought us, um, when, when a big company goes to a small company and says, we love everything you're doing, you know, we're going to buy, and we're not going to change a thing. What they really mean is we are going to change every single thing you do, including the brand of coffee you serve in the break room. And I didn't know that at the time, but I do know that now. So a lot of things that we were doing had changed. And in buying the bodies from Gibson, it wasn't the most affordable. Plus, because we made the graphite bodies, uh, bodied instruments in-house, if there was a, a, a QC issue, a quality issue, we could fix it right there. Okay. You could sand down the gel coat. You could repair it, re rebuff it out. And but with the bodies, that wasn't the case. We weren't even really equipped to do those kind of repairs. And these bodies had binding that Todd so much loves and us in the guitar world don't love because there would always <laughs> be some kind of cosmetic issue with the binding. And, and it, mm -hmm. you know, you can't just buff it out, you know, I mean, so, you'd end up going through a bunch of bodies, but here was Vito Brada really bringing a lot of attention to, um, to, uh, to the brand. Of course, we were very grateful. He's a brilliant player. And, uh, but I really learned for the first time how much of an impact, you know, the, the artists could have. And, and we were at NAM, and again, I, I think it was 87, it may have been 88. And um, there was a high-end steakhouse. I, I, I can't remember if it was in L.A. Or, or Hollywood, but we were going. So it was my, myself, Andy Rossi, uh, Vito Brada, and uh, this girl who worked for us uh, named Angela who was in sales and customer service. And um, we, we got to um, 
we got to the restaurant and it was a line. I mean, you know, cause it was Nam, you know, and you just couldn't get anywhere near it. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, man, you know, and you took cabs back then. It wasn't Uber or anything, you know? So already I had spent four times <laughs> my per diem on the cab ride and I'm like, Oh, we're not even going to get to eat. And somebody said, well, hold on a second. I, I, I think the restaurant owner's daughter is a fan of white lion. And sure enough, you know, the owner came out, met Vito, shook hands, took us to the front of the line, got us our table, you know. And I, I remember thinking, wow, this is unreal, you know. And I was 26, 27 years old, you know. It's just, it was the first time I saw that kind of impact. Now, I will tell you this. He was a very, very humble, humble guy, you know. I mean, I loved working with Vito. We, we, he was extremely dedic- dedicated to his craft. I mean, oh, yeah. He was all about getting the most performance out of his instrument. He knew guitars. He knew sound. He knew how to play. He knew how to play really, really. He, you know, and Alan Holtzworth was another artist that we had at the time. It was cut mm-hmm. from the same cloth. I mean, these guys were all about being um, fantastic musicians and fantastic guitar players. But we, we sit down to order, and one one of the, the meals was a 48-ounce porterhouse. Now, for a guy like me, that's not a problem, okay? I, I warm up with that. Um, but this girl, Angela, said, uh, you know, Vito said something like, well, what are you going to get? And she said, well, I'll get the 48-ounce porterhouse. And Vito said, come on, there's no way you, you, you're you going to eat that. And she said, I'll eat it all pretty much in, 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 in one in one nonstop bite. Okay, go ahead, order it. All right, so we get it. And Angela stuck her fork in that piece of meat and lifted it up and began gnawing on it for about 20 minutes, which doesn't sound that long, but it's a long time when you're watching somebody. <laughs> and Vito was just sitting there and he had his sunglasses on and, and you could tell he was just like, this isn't, I mean, Here's a guy who's toured around the world a few times, probably seen all kinds of crazy things, but man, this was this was happening. And he did he did remember the story when when we talked a, a while ago. Um, but like I said, I have no idea what what his plans are musically. We talk about gear a little bit two or three times a year. I keep filled mm-hmm. in on what we're doing with Babbitts. Jeff Babbitt stays in touch with them. We got him a. I think a um, a neck plate that he needed uh, for one of his guitars to be. Uh, to be restored. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a fascinating time back then. And, and the artists, you know, drove everything. And we had a lot of really, really good artists. I mean, we, you know, we had Sting, we had uh, Getty Lee, of course, you know, was well known for playing Steinberger. Uh, Lou Reed, Lou Reed would come to the shop, you know, and hang out. And Mike Rathke, his guitar player, uh, Alan Holdsworth, like I said, wonderful, wonderful uh, people uh, to deal with. And uh, like Todd, they were just, you know, believers in, in the Steinberger thing. They, they really, they got the vibe and uh, they were very, very helpful, you know, for us. The artist thing isn't quite that impactful today because there's, there's so many ways, you know, back then you had, what, three magazines, Johnny? You know, or, or you know, you had Circus, you know, Guitar World, Guitar Player. The guitar yeah, magazines, I MTV. I think artists are tied into like one one brand. Like they have to play Fender. I'm sorry, and what's that? I feel like a lot of artists today are like tied into one brand. Like they have to play Fender. Well, they can't be playing a Gibson. Like my friends that are artists, that's what they told me. 
I, I, we have seen some of that. You would see some of it back then. And, and then, of course, the whole artist thing, you know, changed. I mean, companies started getting into, you know, when they realized that they would, uh, you know, some artists would get, you know, uh, paid. You know, I mean, we, 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 we didn't pay artists. So, you know, I mean, I'd have guys come to the booth and say, you know, I'm on tour with so-and-so. And what will you give me, you know, if, if I use one of your guitars? I said, I'm going to give you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> and um i always was mad at you for that you know but whatever <laughs> and uh you know we were a small company we you know we were never making a ton of money i think we thought we were going to when gibson bought us and and uh you know things changed kind of radically after that and gibson was buying up a lot of companies and but they did they do own steinberger now and you know, I hear rumors of them revamping the line and, and, and coming out with it again. I don't know, you know, really where they're at with that. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, like we, we mentioned earlier, 35 years later, Headless isn't strange anymore. I mean, you don't you don't see a video of, of Tosi playing or, or somebody. You, you don't think, oh, wow, what's that weird guitar? Nobody thinks that anymore. That's why Babbitts is coming out. We're coming out with new full contact hardware bridge tuners for Headless. Specifically so. for that stuff, because now it's normal. Yeah. Now it's almost like a guitar with a with a headstock is kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. Because you see headless guitars so much. Yep. And we did get a, a a question here, which I don't know. R2D Tuna, thank you for the five, is saying, why is Gibson doing nothing with all the innovative Steinberger technology they own, especially with all the other headless guitar brands out there? Um, I've... I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, Gibson is very focused on their legacy. You know, um, I think uh, I know they want to they want to keep the brand. Algin would probably be uh, better equipped to answer that. You know, they did launch the Spirit. I don't know if they're doing that again, but I have um, one of those. Yeah, I have I have the Spirit. I got like twenty years ago, hmm. and I always wished it was like a real. It's not a real trans tremolo or anything, and I no, no, it wouldn't. That's be. the closest I've ever gotten to, yeah, to having yeah. a, one of those. Yeah, I don't know what their plans are with that, um, and uh, you know, I'm not really in in the loop on that. But absolutely, a lot of other, you know, I mean, the stuff that we're making, and and we have a lot of brands that have reached out to us for that, and I can't mention who they are right now because I I don't want to rain on the parade of, of the marketing that these companies, uh, you know. When, when they plan on introducing products, you know, and it's very, very important to our core business. I mean, we, we've been lucky. We've sold a lot of bridges as an aftermarket, tens of thousands. And I had a, mm -hmm. one large company, you know, when they were debating using our stuff and saying, well, you know, I don't know, is anybody really asking for it? And I'm like, I don't know, but I sold 75,000 bridges. And Hap Kuffner once had one of the best descriptions of our company when Jeff and I started it. He said, how are you guys doing this? Because your company is like two guys and one cell phone. And that's kind of what we were when, when Jeff and I started this, you know, and then, then it, you know, grew from there. And, and certainly Fender doing the Aerodynes was big. So we kind of look at it as now we, we have this uh, innovative patented technology that Jeff came up with. And, it, and it, 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 it's functional over so many different channels and that's really more my focus now getting getting uh you know licensing the technologies news coming up for the end of the year on that we're really really happy you know to do that we learned a lot we learned a lot from being at steinberger we learned a lot from being bought by gibson um 
the the way you sell product now is very different than it was when you were working. What was the store you were at again, Johnny? I forgot the name of it. And it was called Subway Guitars. Subway Guitars. And yeah. if anybody knows, if you know Natalie, you you're in Berkeley. If anybody knows any music, any guitar player in the Bay Area knows Subway Guitars. They know of Fat Dog. He's he's the owner. Because what he would do is is he would he would take, uh, you know guitars come through the door and we would we would upgrade you know the bridges the the uh the the pots the tuners in some cases um and like i said you know i i used to sell guitars to green day you know billy billy joe trey cool uh uh the the actually the kramer bass that that mike durnt played at woodstock 94 he got that from us i was there when he took it and the owner put some green knobs on it so if anybody knows that bass that was mm-hmm. that was uh, something that we uh, we did for for him but um but uh anyway yeah yeah the 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 industry is definitely uh it's a totally different world now with with TikTok <laughs> yeah. you know yeah um and Aljon is here hey man He's say, he's saying uh, love Jeff and the crew. Just wait and see. Yeah, I thought he would chime in. Yeah. <laughs> so so there we go. Yeah. Natalie, what do you got? I have a GL2T, and it has a version one and a half trans trim. So Jeff has my fingerprints on it, but Jeff restored this, and it is in practically mint condition, and it's forty wow. years old. So. Wow. Yeah, you can see the trans trim up close. And that's the one and a half. And the serial number is 2609. So I don't remember what Eddie's was off the top of my head, but I believe this is a young, this is an older guitar than his. Wow. Yep. But yeah, this the GL2T is iconic. Uh, it's the number one most requested guitar. And I have no doubt that's because of Eddie. Um, people do call in for the GM2Ts because of Vito Brada, but um, mm-hmm. everybody, I I think this is just a very special guitar. And um, yeah, people, uh, when, I, when I first spoke to Ned, um, he was actually the one that broke it to me that Eddie played a Steinberger. So he was the first person to tell me and mm-hmm. uh, tell me like what it did for Steinberger and the impact that it made. And then, of course, we had to do uh, face plates on those would be sent to, uh, I, if I remember right, his name was Jim O'Connor, who uh, was the guy that Eddie had designated yes. the guy to do the the, uh, the artwork. The only guy he painted, he painted uh, the stripes. Yeah. Yeah. On, the, on the plate and stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. they actually trademarked that design. And um, so those plates would go out to uh, to him and then come back in. And then Jeff Babbitt's pretty much would do the, the final assembly. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of artists actually jotted down. I had to look some up. Um, a couple of my favorite stories was, uh, I, you know, at the time, in, in addition to, you know, working there, I was also playing in a wedding band, which was kind of a, a popular thing to do and, and, and fairly lucrative back then, not so much anymore. And I, I was leaving from my home to go to the venue, which was about a 40 minute drive. And I spent the entire 40 minutes talking Warren Zevon through how to set up his trans trim. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. One of the, you know, this was back when <laughs> it was my first cell phone when, when they were like this big and they were like permanently mounted, you know, and I had a Ford Bronco, right. And it was, it was the best phone I ever had, but it was like mounted in the, in the truck. And uh, <laughs> I talked him through it. He, he was actually a great guy. Dweezil Dweez Zappel was another who, who we worked with quite a bit. A lot of people know Mike Rutherford uh, story. Uh, he, he was big it, it, with the GMs as well. Yes. Mike Rutherford. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things about the restorations is when Jeff Babix opens up one of these guitars to restore it, and he has a 38-year-old signature inside. Yeah. Wow. He put his JB in a circle on, on yeah. the ones before they, before they left his bench. And... Um, yeah, this let me get my wow. Philip screwdriver. Let's see what I can find. <laughs> Might have a few in there. It'd be on the back of the of the battery uh, cavity on, on the back. Is that a color or is that gold? It's gold. It's oh. the gold one he redid. Yeah, uh, full body gold. Who painted? Who painted that? We we didn't um, do that. Jeff did. Oh, he painted it gold. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he, I mean, it didn't come from the factory that way. Oh I no, 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 no. Yeah. I, he he's done five for me in custom colors. Okay, everyone else is stock and, and redone the right way, you know the way he'd do it. But yeah, I picked five colors, and this is one of the colors. And and it every time one would come, we're like, oh my god, this thing's beautiful. But yeah, it, it's it's just phenomenal. Hey, I just wow. uh, a guy Yostinator wants to know about Babbitt's bridges and the new Aerodynes. Um, so. Uh, they they use our cam saddles. Um, it's a floating trim. Um, I, I'm assuming you're talking about the tremolos. You're saying the thoughts versus the Vega trim. Vega trim is a cool tremolo also, uh, but it, it, with everything with what we do at Babbitt's, it's about that cam saddle in the housing, which gives like 50 times more string transference. So you have a lot more sustain. Uh, pitch stability and, and uh, dynamic range with it. So that's why you get that sound. Plus it's a little softer on, on the palm of your hand because you don't have set screws sticking out the top. Nothing against the Vega Tram. I think they're doing a really, really nice job with what they're doing. At some point, I'd like to be able to offer our saddles on the Vega Tram. Um, but that's what they use on nice. the Aerodyne Strats. And uh, they're made out of the Fuji Gen uh, factory in, in, uh, in Japan. And uh, like I said, we're really happy to have that was a long time coming. There was, you know, when you're dealing with a company like Fender man, there's a lot of emails going back and forth and, and designs going back and forth. And um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it can become tedious. And uh, but they did do it. And it was um, kind of a watershed moment for us because we had been Jeff and I had been talking to so many other companies. And, you know, there always just seemed to be this little hesitation. And then when the aerodynes got released, all of a sudden, it's kind of like, okay, if they'll do it, then, then we'll do it also. And this last NAM show, we were just, you know, jam-packed with, with people coming on board. And uh, so I'm real excited about what we have uh, coming up. But that's oh. that's the deal with that. It's always uh, – Algin says he digs the, the Babbitt's Trems and the FCH. So uh, there you go. That's Algin. Uh, endorsing it uh, right there, and and uh, Algin's forgotten more about guitars than most people will ever learn. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude, I'm excited for this next Nam show. I uh, I'm gonna be there. I'm excited to meet you guys in person. I should uh, be there. Huh? This should be my first Nam show. You'll be there. Awesome. Oh, good. I, I was gonna ask you that if you're gonna be there. Hey, we all have to get together and have uh, Jeff last lunch. 
Something. Yeah. You know what? what? We'll do that as long as we can all sleep in your RV. <laughs> That's doable. We we got we have a pool, we have a pond, but oh, <laughs> and we'll eat steak. Steak. Oh, on we'll a fork. Stick we'll a fork in the steak. Yes. Not an ounce less. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a classic, and uh, I, I was amazed when Vito had had uh, remembered. Well, I guess you know it's something you should remember, but. Uh, you know, he, he was a strong proponent of what we were doing. And like I said, just a wonderful guy to deal with, you know, really, I, really knows his guitars. Yeah, he's talented yeah. and he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's White Line. I mean, that's that's my era growing up, yeah. buying my first, you know, CDs. I had I had that CD. I remember the music video. I remember seeing him playing those guitars. And like I said, I was introduced to these guitars, the headless, you know, through uh, Eddie Van Halen through him playing them but then i remember the vito brada ones you know with the, with the body like all the ones that todd has behind behind you there um and it's it's such it's become, yeah, become such an iconic i can't play like vito i can't play leads like vito and i don't look like uh, mike tramp so this is horrible <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I still can't believe you have all those guitars. I mean, are yeah. those all, those are all trans tremolos, correct? Uh, well, on the, the, on the guitars? Are, the bases aren't, and the, um, oh. the, uh, the, uh, the Koa 12-string is not. The 12-string? Oh, is not. What's that? I didn't know the Koa wasn't. Yeah, the Koa's not, because for 12-string, that'd be kind of a, I, oh, I, imagine, the... I imagine Jeff could probably figure out how to do it, but I did have, for many years, I, when I started playing back with the cheap trick again, Tom Peterson, Peterson had a a double neck black, no binding, uh, but it was a, a fretless bass and a 12-string guitar on it. And the fretless bass had a trans trim on it. And he had it custom made just because it was such an oddball thing. So he gave it to me. I had it for 14 years. And when I got it, I said, what the hell did you put a trans trim on, the fretless, trans trim on a fretless bass for? And you just look at me and said, I don't know, it's just kind of cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> kind of pointless, you know, it's like, uh, but it it was it was a beautiful guitar. And 14 years later, I said, hey, you still have that guitar? I said, yeah, yeah. So, Can I have it back? I said, well, yeah, it's your guitar. You know, I, just, yeah, I kept it for recording and, and a few shows. So he, he took it back, but he also gave me a, a one of his Waterstone 12-string basses, which I have in my downstairs studio uh, hanging on the wall, but. It was a beautiful guitar. It was black, but it, you know, it, I wasn't. Had it had binding, yeah, that would have been a different, <laughs> different ending. You know, <laughs> <Right> now. <laughs> so, so speaking speaking of, uh, you've got the twelve string there. Yeah. What's the hit? Does anybody know? See, I I don't. There, there I've seen photos of of uh, there was a, a young guitar magazine. It was a book edition on all of uh, Eddie Van Halen's, well, not all of his guitars, but a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And and there is a, a headless 12-string that Van Halen had. And instead of it, you know, had the faceplate, you know, painted up, and instead of it saying 5150, it said 0812 <laughs> on it. I've never, do, I've never heard of it. Do you guys know anything about that, that gu- guitar, a 12-string headless well, that Edward had? You know, the 12-string Steinberger Bridge is is really engineering brilliance. I don't know if, Todd, if you can... Yeah. Ned, 
Yeah, Ned showed that. me this bridge in person, how, how, how to tune this. Yeah, I mean, you have one Amazing. knob that you would pull out, and then you could slide it along the bottom of the bridge to whatever string you were looking it's, to tune. It's an amazing, yeah. amazing piece of artwork here. Yeah. Um, I'll get it in the light here if you can. You can see that that knob, uh, you pull out like like it's a temporary ratchet. You pull it out, and you can shift to the next dot, which the big string, of course, is the, the larger string or the first yeah. string. And you, you go sequentially to each string, and once you, once you pull the knob out, and you shift it over, and then you put it back in. Then you twist this to do adjust the bridge for the tuning, and you do that twelve times to get this thing correct. But it's it's a brilliant piece yeah. of. of uh, I mean, it's just it's art. You can hang this on the wall and just admire the bridge work alone. It's just. It's, I it's, agree. Uh, the bridge blew my mind. Oh yeah, and, and then the top piece is just it's just another piece of work of art here. It's like just and I'm a gearhead. I do a lot of automotive stuff, so I'm fascinated with all the yeah. things that move and spin and and this is just nothing but you know like a snap-on ratchet that's really good you know <laughs> and, and I, I can't stress enough you know when you think about when that was being designed and 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 when it was being made what was involved in in going through the prototype stage to to do stuff like that you really you know sometimes you'd wonder you know with ned you know, i haven't seen the guy in four days well he hasn't slept in four days he's been working on these designs and figuring it out on paper first before, you know, and uh, it makes it that much more remarkable. You know, it was kind of lost on us then, you know, while we were doing it. I got to say, we, we all worked really hard there, and especially when Gibson bought us. I mean, man, he, he worked long hours, but it was um, it was pretty cool, you know, for, for a bunch of young guys. Uh, I'll bring up another name. I'd asked permission to use it. I hadn't heard back from him yet, but uh, uh, because you had mentioned Skid Row, uh, and, and Rob Afuso who's a, a great guy. I've known Rob a long time. I've done some gigs with him, but, uh, Scotty Hill from Skid Row actually worked at Steinberger. And, oh, wow. um, when he, uh, I remember Jeff and I, um, you know, talking to, him. I forget what, what he, he was somewhat in production, maybe finishing. I don't remember exactly. And, uh, he had mentioned, you know, I may, I may have to leave this job because you know I'm going to go on tour. And, and back then, you know, you had a lot of people say that, and none of them meant it. And uh, <laughs> and he, he he did leave. And uh, <laughs> two months later, you know, he's like on the cover of these magazines and touring the world, and and he's still out there doing it with Skid Row. I mean, it's really really quite impressive. Wow. Uh, so a lot of people that came through there, you know, most of the people played. You know, I have a lot of people ask, you know, how. How is it that you and Jeff Babbitts went into business together? Because we, we've been in other businesses also. And mm -hmm. um, the story, it, it has to do with football. <laughs> we, he's a big Jets fan, and I'm a diehard Raiders fan. And out of the company at that time, and there were probably 30, 40 employees, we were the only two that played high school football. So, I mean, everybody else was, was more into other, you know, traveled in different circles. So we get together, you know, watch the games and, uh, you know, it just kind of came from there. You know, when, when um, he decided to launch this company, the Babbitt's Guitars Company, we were working in, in another industry. You know, and I remember him bringing uh, his design of his acoustic guitar into my office. And he said, you know, I have an idea for a guitar. And I remember thinking, 
just forget it. Just no. The answer's no. <laughs> I don't want to go down that road again. You know, at this point, we were gainfully employed, making good money in a different industry. My son was about to start college. His kids were, were, were growing up. And then uh, I played it. And I'm like, man, we got to do this. And, uh, and, and we did. And that was 21 years ago, I guess. And then 10, uh, 12, 14 years ago, uh, came out with the hardware. And, um, you know, like I said, these, these last couple of years have been, you know, huge for that. We got Warwick handling distribution all, all throughout Europe, Soundhouse handling all the distribution throughout Japan, Solo Gear handling all through Canada. We've got six high-end retailers plus our own website. You know, because, you know, again, like John, you and I were talking about how it's different now. Now you have this concept called D to C, direct to consumer. So no more margin needed to pay a rep or to pay this, you know, so you can actually bring the cost down and actually make more. And, um, you know, that especially when you're trying to get new technology out there, that that's that's worked out pretty well for us. And and it's continuing to grow. But that that's how that came. It was all because of football. And um you know, we still uh, text each other on, on Sundays, you know, with the games because he's not real happy about losing Aaron Rodgers that quickly. But, uh, you know, <laughs> they still have a strong team. We'll see how that ends up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just I'm scrolling through the chat here. Um, let's see. Somebody was asking earlier. Um, what are they? Somebody was asking, is it a locking tremolo like a Floyd Rose? Are they asking about the trans tremolo or the or or one of your tremolos? Uh, trans trem can be locked, of sure. course, and, and and so can ours. I mean, you I mean, can, you, you can uh, that's deck ours, so so it doesn't move. If that's yeah, if that's I mean, the trans trem that's how it works. That's how you're able to change keys. You right. lock the the bridge in right. a certain position to get a right. different key, like the Van Halen song. If you want a good example, listen to the song. Uh, uh, summer nights summer nights probably, yeah listen to listen to summer nights he plays the beginning in one key and then he plays the rest of the song in another key mm. and that's with the trans tremolo so i realized that yesterday brilliant mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's just a, just an amazing uh, invention and now again you know back in the 80s it was like wow that's crazy now it's more normal yeah you know, seeing especially seeing other other companies with headless guitars. I mean, they're they're all over the place. I mean, you go to Nam now, and you see every other booth yeah. is a headless instrument. Look at what Strandberg's <laughs> done. I mean, it's yeah. remarkable what what Ola's been able to do. Uh, and he's got other innovations happening. His neck profile is uh, is different, um, but yeah, it is. It has become now. I think another reason why that may have happened you know there's been a, a resurgence of what they call prog rock or, or uh um the prog metal guys and also the multi-scale stuff that, that that's mm-hmm. become very popular and fan frets you know that's why we introduced those individual saddles for for headstock guitars uh <clears throat> about a year ago um but now with the headless it lends itself very well to it see there's another advantage to you know to what ned had come up with on the headless it doesn't get talked about enough i i don't think but when you tune a steinberger okay so at the headstock it's fastened and then it's fastened at the jaw and you're turning the 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 tuning peg well that's pulling the string directly it is not twisting the string whereas on a headstock instrument as you're tuning it and you're tuning the key well that string is now twisting a little bit as it goes around that core 
that gives it a little bit of a different feel. Um, and that was something that, you know, I think a lot of people would play a Steinberg and go, man, it just feels great. And I don't think they ever realized that that's a little part of it also, the, the direct pull thing. And I think that's something that Ned, uh, even with his NS stuff, is, uh, is still really uh, really behind that, that concept of it. There's something to be said for that. But no doubt, man, th- these guys that, uh, you know, that are playing this, this prog metal stuff, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. It's, it's very, very technically proficient, and it lends yeah. itself very much to Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. I think it's the perfect timing for Steinberger for Gibson to release uh, you know, new Steinberger, whether it's a reissue or something new. I think it'd be a really exciting time. Well, yeah, I, there's been a lot of people wondering and asking about that stuff for a lot of years now, especially on this show. Like I said, I've been doing these shows for going on nine years. That's been a constant thing. Yeah, the entire time is is when we're going to get new Steinbergers from Gibson or or Headless or or the Trans Tremolo, you know. It seems like there'd have to be a team that's very small and concentrated and focused on that that part of the company to do that because if they're casting such a wide net with all the the other money making guitars, I don't think it's going to get a lot of attention. But the the reason Steinberger got so big was because of exactly what Jeff talked about, but there was a small group, group of people just working it because they loved it and that's what they wanted. And now mm-hmm. there are factions of it, like Headless USA has got all the old stock, and then we got Bavix that works on them, brings it back to life. Here we are. Uh, uh, Ned Steinberger, I guess, might be bringing his, a whole new line out, hopefully, uh, that that will be you know NS Designs, but uh steinberger i yeah it's it's a very yeah you have to ask somebody in gibson as, as to what they're what are they doing with that and uh are they going to do anything with it and and i mean when i first started playing the the headless stuff uh in and even into the 90s and people go what are you playing that for us so, well I, I love it i love the way it sounds and it was kind of frowned upon and yeah. i had people try to you know discourage me from it. I said no I, I like my steinberger i'm sticking with them and you know, here we are. The pendulum is now you know, swaying back, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the nineties, like like that. Sh- the subway guitars where I worked at in Berkeley in the in the nineties. Uh, the uh, you know the locking tremolo guitars. Nobody wanted. There was a yeah. certain time period yeah. where every pawn shop. You'd, that's actually how I got. I, I have a guitar called a Kramer Ripley. Which is a uh, which is a Kramer, which is the the Steve Ripley Kramer version of a stereo guitar. If you listen to the Van Halen song "Top Jimmy," listen to it with headphones, you'll hear the strings basically going back and forth. And, that, yeah, that's the Ripley system. Nice. So anyway, so there was a time in in the '90s I got that guitar for three hundred bucks at a pawn shop because nobody knew what it was, nobody wanted it, right? And that's how a lot of those guitars were at the time. So I can see you playing your, your Steinbergers in the nineties and people being like, why are you still playing that? You know, now yeah. there's this, mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, or now there's everything. Now you can play anything now. That's it's cool. cool. Yeah. It, it, that, so. that is true. Uh, I, I think that Natalie is, is going to hopefully uh, enjoy the apex of the headless uh, uh, resurgence. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I've noticed just since I've come into this role, there's been a difference in the headless, you know, resurgence. 
And um, I've actually had like a magazine reach out to like ask me about, you know, what I think of the resurgence. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see it. And I believe the Babix, the new Babix bridge is going to be able to accommodate seven or eight strings, multiple strings, right? Which is really yeah, cool. And yeah, we, we, I, when we set out to do that, we knew, you know, uh, we, we kind of have a, a saying here, Jeff and myself is, you know, let, let's not have apologies right off the bat. Uh, we've been doing this too long. So, you know, if you put out, you know, strictly a six string bridge, in about eight seconds, you're going to get six emails saying, what about seven strings? There you go. You know, so we figure let's just uh, let's be ready to, to handle it all. I, again, our, you know, our concept with it is, is a little different. We sell to a lot of what we call boutique builders because there's been a real resurgence in them now also. I mean, mm-hmm. there's guys who are really good local guys that can build instruments exactly the way you want it. And, um, you know, we've done very, very well with them. They kind of embraced our technology. And, uh, you know, so as an aftermarket, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I, I do believe that, that they will be retrofittable on Steinberger fixed bridges. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a need for that. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, for Jeff and I, and Jeff in particular to, uh, you know, we're still really tight with Ned. He came and visited us a couple, was a couple weeks ago, you know, uh, he, uh, he was a guest at my wedding, you know, I mean, we were all, you know, really, really close back then. And, and you know, through the magic of, of Zoom and, and FaceTime and all, we, we've been able to remain. He's living up in, in Maine. I, I, I actually own a place not too far from him in Maine. And every time I go up there, you know, we're saying we should get together. But I still remember him bumming cigarettes for me. And I haven't smoked in like 30 years, but, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get stuck with the tab or whatever, but I, I'm sure I definitely will uh, meet up with him there. We see him at NAM, you know, we get together every January. I don't know if they'll be doing summer NAM. I used to love summer NAM. I used to, you know, like having a reason to go to Nashville without, you know, being yelled at by the people at Gibson from, from when they owned us. Cause that's a lot of what that would be like. And uh, I don't know if they're going to go anymore. Um, but we'll definitely see you in Anaheim. I'm I'm heartbroken that uh, is it Jim Bob's Tacos that that chain went away. Um, did you do you have them there in Santa Cruz? I don't think so. But they were in LA no. and Anaheim, and uh, they were the best. I, I could I could do about fourteen of them. At, at were second. they in the food court there at the Marriott? No, no, no. They were part. They they had their own franchise locations throughout Anaheim, hmm. and uh, I was amazed after. I, I just don't think they were able to you know come back after after the whole covid thing mm. so um but uh you know yeah it'll it'll uh you know maybe there'll be a holly i'm not sure there there are they're definitely lobbying hard for people to come back and and uh, exhibit again this last nam was bigger than the previous one yeah yeah you know people and... are less afraid of traveling too I, I think is part of it there's a cool concept right. they had too rather than than booths you could actually rent, you probably saw these offices on the show floor that were enclosed. So, mm-hmm. you know, we we had, Jeff and I had a number of me, kind of like what Ned had, except Ned also had the display out front. Ned had a killer booth. I don't, I don't know how he, how he worked that out. I mean, he had an incredible booth there. But it, for Jeff and I, it was great because we're meeting prospective OEM customers and you could get in there and it was, you know, quiet and you could really talk about the hardware up close and i think that's a concept they're going to expand on um 
it's just cool seeing all the people again, you know? Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, the coolest thing, I, I mean, I, I, the coolest thing I love about the NAMM show is seeing friends. Yeah. Going and, and catching up with people and hanging out. And, and because of what I do here, I, I live streamed my last uh, NAMM show. Oh, did you? I walked, I walked around for four hours. Yeah. And, and, and it was just, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. So, so, uh, you guys, what are we doing on time? Looks like we're about five minutes till I told you this goes by quick. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. So we have a giveaway. Thank you again, Natalie headless USA. If you guys, if you want to, if you want to win, you, you got to participate in the live chat, either YouTube or Facebook. So if you're watching us right now, we got about 100 people watching. Everybody press number one in the chat. Everybody, press one. I'll you can't you. win unless you play. That's right. <laughs> That's what Rick Neal Unless you play a headless guitar. <laughs> there we go. Everybody press one right now in the chat. Let's see it. Here we go. See, eventually, this is how the chat will be normally. In another nine years, it'll look like this. Uh, Todd, your wife pressed one. She's she's not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'll take it. I want it. has got that cool logo. If she wins, she gets one of those guitars. No, 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 no. <laughs> you guys have her own guitar. That, that stays at, the, at our place. And uh, I'll pick that up and play that. Because these all, get, these all get put in a giant... Uh, fireproof gun safe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that only I know the combination to. <laughs> no girls. <laughs> no wives. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Hey, forty grit. Hey man. What's up? All right, here we go. We got the the giveaway tool right here. And then. Uh, so usually after we do the giveaway, that's when everybody like bounces. So any last things you guys want to want to announce or or uh, promote, say before we spin? Well, I mean, uh, just Natalie. I kind of want to hear Todd play something a little bit. Oh, there we go. Okay with you guys. Let's see. Uh... What what amp are you using again? What's that? What amplifier are you using? A little tiny Fender, little uh, Champion. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, it's a it's a neat little amp. It's it, it's much more manageable at this level than you know my hundred watt Marshalls. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it, it just it, it has a nice little bite to it. It's, it it doesn't of course have the, the sound that I'm used to, but it really represents a pretty good tone. But um, it's just you know. <laughs> Just 
Uh, so it's fun. I can spend the rest of my evening with stuff. Wow. Awesome. This is the Clydesdales. Yeah, the Clydesdales are happy. They sound like they kind of have Tourette's, but you know. Oh my God. The GM1 2 doesn't sound like that when I play it. Oh, it will. It will. Just do a little practice, a little more vodka. There you go. See? <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, okay, let's, let's, uh, well, hey, Natalie, so, so, uh, Headless USA, right? Yep. So, uh, it's, is, uh, headlessusa.com? Yep, headlessusa.com and headlessusa at gmail.com if you want to reach us. Okay. All right. Very good. And, uh, and Jeff? It's, uh, oh. Babbitt's, Babbitt's guitars.com or fullcontacthardware.com, the website pretty uh pretty easy to find a facebook page a lot on instagram and uh mm -hmm. johnny thanks very much for inviting uh inviting us to participate this is uh it's my first time doing this and uh really uh really was really was fun and really great the way you set it up too i have to say thank you man i mean the, you guys people don't even know this this is like like a year in the making right i reached out to you guys like a year ago or something wow and and uh right natalie i i reached out a long time ago and then i was given yeah, I some think, names yeah i think and uh, numbers jeff's brother eric was like yeah uh, you know right. I think it was even on twitter it was, was on, on twitter like, yeah yeah and uh eric's like man we should do the johnny bean show yeah and here we are my younger it was brother like a, eric that's right and he because he it was, it was all eric called me and eric, like, eric's the one that told both of us to do it yeah, he said, "Do you want to do a podcast?" And I oh, said, hi, "What's a podcast?" And uh, but no, <laughs> he's uh, he's thirteen years younger than me, and um, but he, you know, this, this uh, the era. I mean, it was pretty cool being at Steinberger when you know he was he was like a kid in high school. He thought it was uh, really neat, and um, he's he's mm -hmm. a real real guitar nerd and uh, uh, into all that eighties and nineties stuff. But yeah, that's right. He he did mention that. So. Uh, um it, it was a while ago it was like yeah. it was it was like a year it was a long time ago and then um and then i i went back through my messages and i'm like oh and then i i got the number i i gave it a call and Good. and here we are it's been a pleasure yeah thank and you and you can Howard biz you can check out all the stuff that i've got coming and going and then what's going on um and i'm not uh well, actually, I'm doing a show in. I'm doing a guest appearance in Vegas at Vamped on I think the seventh uh, for this this uh, Kiss related, all Kiss music related uh, benefit for for school kids that need. I think it's instruments or, or something in the schools, and mm -hmm. uh, that's done by a bunch of friends of, up there uh, of mine, and and then uh, we're trying to. Uh, Pat Gasparini is trying to put something together for a memorial for John Regan, maybe in November, but that's not solid yet. So I, all I wanted to do this year was just finish my CDs. I, I got those out and I'll finish my book, uh, you know, build this stage uh, for today and 
and and uh, and and appear on this show. So I I, I bet my dream. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Valerie in the chat is saying, uh, "Kiss Night Las Vegas, October 7th. Yeah, that's my wife. Yeah, she she always gets a date right. I you know I'd be like October something or other, you know, but uh, yeah, October seventh. <laughs> October seventh. Is that memorial? Is the memorial show going to be at, out in, in uh, this part of the country? Uh, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I think he's trying to arrange for New York. Okay. City, but I, you know, all these. I'd probably speak a little bit ahead of it because you know, poor guy's trying to trying to assemble everything and everybody and that's like trying to walk cats with balloons tied to their tail so <laughs> not, it's not bloodless event you know <laughs> man okay so all your links are in the live chat there on replay or down below in the description to so make sure everybody watching you uh, smash that thumbs up and uh, visit visit their links, and I'll be seeing all you guys at the Nam show coming up in uh, in January. So let's spin. So again, we're giving away. It's a uh, what? It's an amplifier, right? Yes, it's a it's an amplifier. So it does hook up to your phone and has some like interesting settings. Like you can actually it has a lot of presets. So it's kind of it's kind of fun. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so there's the, uh, we got 119 entries. All right. Mm -hmm. All right, so, uh, all right, here we go. The winner is Ronnie Parfait. Ronnie. Ronnie, you're the winner. So, Ronnie, please text me. I have a phone number. Where is it? Is it that one? There we go. 415-952-3263. And I actually have a card that says it, too. It's bigger. There we go. 415-952-3263. Text me your info. And uh, we will get that out to you. Compliments of uh, Headless USA. And Natalie, thank you again. Anytime. Fantastic. Right on. Right well, on. I saw Beckett, okay. a friend of mine, Beckett. She almost won. Her name came up. Again. It's like that Wheel of Fortune. We just don't quite make it. Like, oh. We were broken. Try it again. <laughs> all right um really quickly again let me uh say thank you to all our channel members here on johnny bean tv youtube channel thank you for your continued support uh for these shows and this channel and uh if you're new here don't forget to smash that uh that subscribe button let's get to 10,600 youtube subscribers this month we just we just hit 10,500 we can hit 10,600 we got I got tons of, uh, of shows coming up for you guys. Lots of guests lined up. And uh, I know, I'd love to have, have you guys back at some point. I'll definitely see you guys at the NAMM show in January. Yep, definitely. So we'll definitely do some streaming. We'll, we'll do some stuff from, uh, from there. Meet you in person, Johnny. Nice. Yeah. 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 We'll have a steak. And Natalie in person. Yay. Yeah. Yes. But she'll have a 
12, 12 mile steak, not the 48. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I have the fork, mister. I'll tell you what I'm eating. Yeah, no, no knives, guys. Only forks. Yeah. Only forks. Okay. All right, you guys. Thanks for watching. And so the way this works is I play an outro video and then and then we're done. We can say goodbye just off the air real quick. Okay. okay. Uh, Todd, thank you. Thank you. Natalie, thank you. Jeff, thank you. Chat, we love you guys. Thank you so much. I will see you guys tomorrow. I have a show called Saturday Night Live where we hang out and and BS. Actually, maybe one of you guys would like to join us for that at some point. It's a lot of fun. Possibility. So, so yeah. I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Johnny Bean, Johnny Bean TV. Bye-bye. Ready? Ready. Hi, this is Andy Summers, and you're watching Johnny Bean TV.